Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Sophie. Hi, Jade. I wasn't sure if you were going to break out into song or Not today. what you were going to bless me with this morning. I'm a bag of treats, aren't I? You're just a bundle of surprises. How has your week been? It's been pretty good, thank you. How's your week been? It's been fabulous. I've been away on a girls' trip for my sister-in-law's birthday. Oh, yeah, birthday. that looked bougie as fuck. Oh, it was bougie. But, yeah. They went to the Versace people. They went to the Versace. I know, but I've got to tell you, when we knew we were going to the Gold Coast, we thought, let's just go Gold Coast. Let's dress it. Let's stay Gold Coast. And it was fabulous. However, I was slightly disappointed with Versace. It is so run down. Like, it is just they need to really, like, get their shit together. But anyway, oh, that's another go. another story to tell on another day. Um, do you have any highs? I do have a high this week and um, anyone who's been following along on the poppy sleeping in our bed journey may or may not be excited, probably couldn't care less really, <laughs> probably not at the forefront of anyone's mind, but <laughs> Poppy is in her own bed. Yeah, Pops. Yeah, Pops. So what we ended up doing was we went and bought a double bed mattress. And gaffer tape. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and have taped her to the bed. No, we went and bought a double bed mattress and it's on her floor and basically the reason we did that is that we realised we would be more committed to lying down with her to help her to go to sleep yep. if we weren't having to be, like, on the floor. We felt that, like, any time she woke up overnight because we knew that it would mean us lying down on the floor. We just gave in really quickly and were like, come into bed with us. So anyway, she's been totally happy in there, doesn't make a fuss about going to bed. We just have to lie down with her until she falls asleep, which is fine. Does and, she wake up in the middle of the night? Um, it's taken some time, but last night she did not wake up until five this morning. Yep. And then Nick had already gone fishing this morning. So I was like, I'm going to just go in and have a cuddle with oh, her. Good. And it's nice because I feel like part of me is like, yes, I get to sleep next to my husband in bed again. This is great. And part of me is also like oh I miss her so it's kind of oh, nice please. like if I if I want to there's a whole double bed there and it means if you fall asleep for three hours getting her to go to sleep like you don't wake up with a crook neck you've yeah, actually true. had quite a nice little lie down so that has definitely been the high of the week the low of the week is well it's kind of a high like you know I've been talking about both the girls now being at childcare, poppy going to a new childcare. the only low involved with that and it's not mum guilt or anything like that I've really come to terms with the fact they're going I know it's for the best it's the post daycare come down mm. and they're both very much still adapting to it for example on Monday Goldie only slept for an hour in the whole day and normally she sleeps across the day for like maybe two and a half three hours and so the day after they've both been at daycare they are just cooked 
chooks to the point I think I've used that term so many times that Poppy has started describing things as cooked chooks. I'm like, what? Did that just come out of a three-year-old's mouth? So yeah, it's going to take a bit of time for them to adapt, but I know it'll be worth it in the long run. It's just that thing where you go, oh, when they're at daycare, it's so nice, but is it worth the trade-off of the next day when they're just feral? Yeah, that's so similar to uh, when the girls come back from school after not being at school for six weeks they fall asleep in the hallway they have meltdowns when you pick them up they don't want to talk to you their brains just so overstimulated you're, you're like, like how is your day they're like do not they don't I don't me. want to talk to you and I'm like yeah. mm, okay fine but that brings me into my high because school is back biatches and I can't wait I, I don't understand why they start it on like Friday and then it's the weekend and then they go back but whatever it's fine it's happening um so we're getting all prepared with bags and school shoes and you know all the fun exciting painful things and my low is Yumi potty training herself but that was your high last yeah, it's week changed now it's done a real switch <laughs> to a low she has left cables you know in the hallway like she just does one and she's like, oh, and I go, today I go, hey, did you try and go to the potty? And she goes, nah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, good, good, good. So does she just have no pants on or does she like squat down and? So she has knickers on at the moment because she wants to be a big girl. Mm. And then she takes them off and then spreads her legs as an indication, like as into squat. And I'm like, that's when I go, you need to go to the toilet. And she knows too. So she does run and she's been so good. Like, majority of her at home has been on the potty but of course there's going to be mistakes but now she's trying to do big ones in the <laughs> big bosses in the toilet and I've been sitting her there but she's done this game where she just likes to grab the toilet paper and pretend she's wiping and anyway it's a really painful process but I am proud of her because she's doing such a good job and I have not had anything to do with it I'm just going along with the ride free range toilet I don't even know what the what's dogs and what's humans anymore like uh, seriously Nick could shit in the hallway anyway (laughs) today's that's another story that is but on today's episode we interview the very inspiring Churia Pitt yeah there's less poo talk in this one yeah But no, we had a great chat. It was great to chat to her again. Um, And she opened up about her accident and what she did following the accident to keep positive, including getting into running. And she talks to us about her new running program for Mm. mums that she's bringing out too. That Sophie and I promised her we will be doing. So you can all hold us to that. But we also discuss her concerns about conception and pregnancy after that. And overall, it's her highs and lows as a mother. So, yeah, we hope you enjoy this one. Taria, it's so lovely to chat to you again. For those that don't know, we had a chat to you on our podcast with Fisher Price called Beyond Play, but we enjoyed chatting to you so much that we greedily stole you for ourselves as well to chat to you here. So thank you for speaking to us again. No worries. It is a pleasure to speak to you both. Thanks so much for having me. Absolute pleasure and we absolutely love chatting with you so much so that we absolutely did steal <laughs> you away and here you are for our listeners to listen to. For people that don't know, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your family? Yeah, sure. So my name is Taria. I live on the south coast of New South Wales. Uh, I used to be an engineer then I did an ultramarathon. I got trapped by fire, received burns to 65% of my body, spent like years in and out of hospital had 
like 200 operations, then rebuilt my body to the stage where I was able to do an Ironman and then I did another Ironman. I did the Ironman World Championships. Then I had a baby. Then I had another baby. Uh, so my two sons are called Hakavai and Rahidi. And my beautiful partner is Michael. And everyone always really loves my partner. They always say, you know, like, what's he doing today? Like, where does he work? Does he have a brother? <laughs> Those types of questions. I think you're quite widely loved too. I feel like I am, but like not as much as Michael. Like people just adore him. He takes the cake. Yeah. Plus sometimes I have like resting bridge face, I think. So like he just looks very approachable, like just like one of those really nice guys. Yeah, oh, I love my nice husband guy. too. I have yeah. resting bitch face too and that's my, and yeah, my husband's the loved one as well. Kids gravitate towards him too and I'm like, love me. What about, like, what about me? What about me? Like do you know how much I, like, like I love kids and it's just maybe we try too hard but I also think we've got resting bitch face because like we're always just thinking about the stuff that we have to do. And totally, you're a mum yeah. as well. So it's yeah. sort of like when you see other kids, yeah, they're great. But at the same time, it's like, oh, can you really be bothered? I mean, that's just my <laughs> personal experience. Depends on whether or not the kid is cute. Yeah. <laughs> Jade's like, I don't love kids. I love my own kids. But I, don't <laughs> love- I feel like I did love kids more before I had them. Like I had way more time for other people's kids. And then I had kids and you do get a bit kitted out. So you're like, oh, uh, I'll just, you know. I think the reverse because oh. before I had kids, I was like, why is that kid making noise? Can't the parents keep it quiet? It's an airplane. Like people are trying to read and do their work. And then when I had a kid, I was like, I get it. I get it. You can't control them. You've got no control over them. They are their own little independent. And so now you appreciate the parents and the parenting and you appreciate the children. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that mum's doing an awesome job. She's just trying to, you know, keep them calm. Just watch movies. Put on the iPad. Who cares? Just Put on you. Yeah. And and with that, I always, I said this to my husband the other day, as long as you see a parent on a plane, uh, not that we have for a very long time, but as long as you see a parent on a plane, like showing some sort of like, oh, yeah, we're trying, we're trying to contain their noise, you sort of on the outside go, okay, that's all right, they're trying. But if you see a parent sitting there and see their child screaming and crying and they're pretty much asleep. They've got noise-cancelling headphones on. Yeah, (laughs) fury inside. Where where can I get some of those? But I I remember like I was in the car with one of my friends and she's not a mum and we drove past a mum who was pushing her pram and she was on, on her phone, right? And my friend was really judgy. She was like, oh, great, like what an awesome mum. She's not even paying attention to her Did you kid. kick her out of the car? Well, I was just like, you don't. Like that mum's been, probably been on the go since 4 a.m. She's wiped noses. She's wiped bum. She's made food that hasn't been eaten. She's done laundry. Yes, probably just picked up her phone to check the 20 messages that she might have received. And I always think it's really easy to judge other people. You've got no idea what their day has been like or, you know, what their life is like as well. And she could have been up since bloody 3 a.m. So if she wants to check her phone and just switch off for 40 seconds, then go for it. Yeah, and, like, she wasn't on the road. She was on the footpath. She was fine. Her her kid was potentially buckled in maybe 50% of the time. But I think there was an Australian artist who actually submitted to a newspaper a picture like that and it was a cartoon drawing of a mum or a parent pushing a pram on the phone um, and, you know, that it was like, oh, this is a 2020 or a new age mum or whatever and it got so much backlash because, as you say, you're seeing a snapshot of 30 seconds of that person's day. They could be working for all you know and even if they're not, who gives a shit? Just let people live. Let me live. 
Preach now, it. Taria, how was your Christmas and your New Year's? What did you get up to? I had the family at my place for Christmas. So there was my three brothers, my mom, my mom's husband, Michael's family. And I was really stressed out about like cooking for all of these people. So then I just got it catered. Yes. I know that sounds like really... Uh, Fabulous. Well, it was awesome because like I didn't have to stress and I just thought I don't want to just be in the kitchen all day just stressed out of my head trying to organise everything. So I just got it catered, which was really amazing. Do you know, I reckon that takes the stress out of every situation. Well, then delegating, delegating, well, like either delegating or like outsourcing or whatever it is you have to do just to make sure that you're enjoying, you know, absolutely. And remind us again, how old's your older son? He's three. So was this his first Christmas that he kind of had any idea what was happening? Yeah, but it was so what we gave his dummy to Santa and like it got really brutal the next day because he was like, I hate Santa. I hate reindeers. I want to kick him. Like he was, (laughs) you know, he was infuriated. And like I thought it would just last for three days. It went on for weeks. He's only like now just starting to get over it. His full-blown Grinch from the age of three. Yeah, like you're like the Christmas Santa. magic sucks. <laughs> I hate I hate Christmas. I hate it. I hate reindeer. I hate him. He's stupid. What did he get for Christmas? Did he get anything for giving his dummy away? You got a scooter. Like that's no, a, well come on, mate. Well, come what on, not? Mate. You can't just get a scooter for free. No. Everything, everything has a price. Okay, so is there anything that you would do next Christmas that's different? I mean, obviously, well, I'm assuming you're not going to give Santa the dummy because that's long gone, but is there anything different that you would probably do this year? No, I'm pretty boring. I just do the same. If I like something, I kind of just do the same thing again, but I'm not going to have Christmas again at my house. Like that was my contribution. Someone else can do it now. Yeah, move on. But I also feel like because I'm the only girl, and this is like a really weird thing about society and expectations as well, like it's expected that the girl or like the mom, whoever it is, will organise it, will do it, will do the Christmas shopping, will get the gifts for everyone. Like I just think it's such bullshit. I don't understand why the girl always has to do it. So I'm waiting for one of my brothers to step up. And hopefully they're listening to this podcast because, of course, they would be interested in a podcast called Yeah, Beyond they the will be for sure. Lift your game, guys, lift your game. And and if not because you're on it, maybe because we're on it, but (laughs) either way, they're listening. So you've just launched a running app for mothers. We're going to talk about that a little bit more and we are going to talk about your journey into motherhood, but can you give us a little bit of insight to, I guess, that time, what happened on that day leading into... I guess, your your story. Like during the ultramarathon when I was yeah. catastrophically injured. Um, I don't know, it was kind of just like a normal day. I was running, I was about a quarter of the way through the race. So an ultramarathon is typically anything over 50 kilometres and this was a 100-kilometre race. Oh so I was a quarter of the way through, about 25 kilometres, and a fire started coming up the gorge that we were in. And I was trapped with five other runners at the time. And Kate was the other runner who was really badly burnt like me. But two of the people in the fire weren't even burnt, which is crazy, right? I'm not sure how that works. But you know when you see footage of like a street that a fire's gone through and some houses will just be raised to the ground. And there'll be a house that is virtually untouched. So I don't know how it happened. I don't know why it happened. But that was basically it. But I always say the real work began when I was in hospital because, you know, on the day, the adrenaline, you know, obviously the disbelief at what had happened. I got evacuated via a helicopter out of that gorge and I woke up a month later in Sydney. 
Oh my goodness. Wow. And because we're focusing a a bit on your, you know, journey through motherhood in this chat, but once you'd started to recover, was there concerns that maybe you wouldn't be able to conceive or um, have a pregnancy? Yeah. So like I died, I actually did die. I died three times on the operating table and I always get asked what I saw, like if I saw like Mm. white lights or anything, I saw nothing like that. It was very unexciting. It was like I was asleep and then I just woke up. So that's my life and death experience right there. But I never got told that I would be unable to have kids. But I think like any woman, you kind of don't know if you'll be able to have kids until you start trying, right? Mm -hmm. And so I always felt because of the operations that I've been through and because of, you know, my complicated medical history, I always assumed it would just take me ages to get pregnant. So we started trying after I did Ironman World Championships. And I think I got pregnant in like two months. So really fast. And then it was unexpected. And I was supposed to be going to Everest Base Camp to do a fundraising walk for Interplast. As you do. Yeah. And so I flew there (laughs) and I had to tell the participants, like, you know, I'm nine weeks pregnant. I'm not able to do the trek. And was there any concerns because you do have burns to a significant portion of your body? Was there ever any issues with the skin or anything being pregnant? No, because like skin is quite elastic, right? And quite pliable so there was like there was no issues with that either and to be honest and I feel really lucky but both my pregnancies were like very straightforward very uncomplicated and so were both of my births oh how amazing to hear yeah I know I feel really good about that do you reckon you'll have another one I don't know too early too early Rahid is not even too old because how old are your youngest he's like 11 months old yeah right that was a silly question Jade sorry yeah. Once they hit a year, though, everyone asks. But then if you do get pregnant somewhat quickly, they're like, oh, my gosh, two under two. And it's like, but you were the same people pressuring me to get pregnant as soon yeah. as my last one turned yeah. 12 months. I think it's just like people just ask those questions just to make conversation. I don't totally. know. Absolutely. Don't know. Yeah. And was there anything unexpected in your pregnancies or anything you wish you could have, like, told yourself to get ready for? Yes, it all seems like so long ago now. Um there was nothing really unexpected. I did do a calm birth class to prepare for the birth of my first baby. And I don't know if, have you guys ever done one of those classes? I, I do, have done Sophie it. Sophie yeah. is an I love advocate it. for it. I loved it. It was amazing. But when they, the lady asked, um, her name was Regina, she asked, you know, everyone why they were there. And they asked the partners why they were there. And Michael literally said, I'm only here because Taria made <laughs> me then all the other guys in the class were like, yeah, good on you, mate. I wish I said that. And I was like, <laughs> not about you blokes. It's not about you guys. It's about your partners. Like just cop it on the chin. Just be here for a weekend and enjoy the calm birth experience. And how did he find it? To go home early the second day. Oh, see, my husband went along being like, yeah, you've dragged me along to this. But he loved it. And at the end was like, oh, now I see like where my place in this whole thing is. Whereas before that, it was very much like, so if this is like your thing that you're doing but like I'll help you raise the baby but this whole pregnancy birth thing is yours but he did love it afterwards oh that's good I'm glad he loved it do you think like the I guess adversity and the things you've already been through in life somehow made like childbirth appear easier to you Mm. or anything like that Um, or did you feel a pressure to be like I'm gonna just nail childbirth because I've been through all this surgery and pain before 
No, because I think like whenever you're in pain, no matter what pain you've been through before, it still hurts, right? Like you guys have both given birth multiple times, but if you got a needle, you'd be like, oh, that hurts. Mm. Like it doesn't lessen your experience or perception of, you know, future experiences of pain. So I guess maybe for some people, they feel uncomfortable being in a hospital, but I guess because I've been in hospital so much, I felt like safe and secure and like really well supported at the hospital. And how was the birth? Did you have natural births for both? Yeah. No, so I, for the first one, I was in labor for like 13 hours and then my obstetrician said, your baby will arrive in another 24 hours if you just keep doing what you're doing. Otherwise, I can give you an epidural and your baby will be here in a couple of hours. So I had the epidural. It was great. Huckabye arrived. And then the second one, I distinctly remember I was on all fours naked on the bed and I was screaming. I was like, where's my epidural? Like, give me my epidural. And they said, no, it's too late, Taria. Like, your baby's here. You've got to start pushing. And so that's, yeah, that, that was both my birth experiences. The transitioning stage where you're just like, cut me, get this thing out. Yeah, we need a break. Let's pause. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Talk us through your newborn phase with your boys. I think with Huckabye, my older one, I probably had a lot of pressure on myself to get back to life how it was before I had a baby, which is really ridiculous when you think about it because how can your life ever be back to normal because now you're a mum, right? And I think with Rahidi, the second one, I really enjoyed that time with him because I knew from Huckabye like how fast it goes. Like they're really only little squishy babies for like maximum six months. Like it's nothing at all. And so I was really, I really relaxed more. I enjoyed it more. I spent a lot more time just looking at him. And so I probably found Rahidi's newborn stage more enjoyable but having said that, he was an easier baby. Like he slept. How come I wouldn't sleep unless he was on me? And so I think when you've had sleep and you, you know, you mm. feel a lot better about yourself and your day. Yeah, totally. And what advice would you give, I guess, friends that are about to become mothers? Do you have any, you know, main, I guess, your top three things that you would say if they said, Taria, help me. I need help. <laughs> Not really. I remember when you're getting up in the night to feed the baby, like that's always a really lonely time. You know what I mean? When you're up at like 2 a.m. trying to settle the baby and you're like, fire, like everyone else is asleep. I just want to be in bed. And I always thought like there's so many mothers out there who are up at this time as well doing the same thing that I'm doing. And that brought me a lot of comfort knowing that I wasn't alone. And it would also just be to give yourself some grace because you're not going to handle everything really well. You might be tired. You might be really hormonal. And all of that's, I think it's okay, especially when you've got a new little baby. But how cute are newborns as well? Oh, I love the newborn phase. I know that some women don't love it, but I... I remember when Goldie, my second, was like a few days old, I was like, give me 17 of these. And then you hit like three months and you're like, oh, I'm exhausted. They start to wake up. But then you look back, the older they get, you look back on newborn photos and you're like, oh, you weren't as cute as I actually (laughs) thought you were. And then they get older and you're like, oh, you are so cute then. And then you keep looking back and you're like, you really weren't that cute then. (laughs) Love is blind. Love is blind. Totally, totally. I will agree with that wholeheartedly 
<laughs> Absolutely. And I agree with the remembering that other people are up because when I had Goldie, I actually made a little message thread with two I other girlfriends who yeah. had had babies at the exact same yeah. time. And especially it was during lockdown, which was probably similar to you. Yeah. And even if they weren't up at that exact moment, like if we got up for a feed, we'd just send a little message being like, hope everyone's night's going well. And it would just kind of uh-huh. jig to you that, oh, 20 minutes ago, that person was having an affair, having a feed. Having an affair. Having wow. an affair. Having a feed. <laughs> Things escalated fast, Sophie. <laughs> it makes you feel less lonely, right? Just Absolutely. Feeling like someone else is going through a similar experience. And that's why, like, I think mother's groups are great. Like, if you find a really good one, because, you know, you can say, I've had a bad night's sleep, and the other person will say, Oh my gosh, me too. You know, so I think they're like really valuable, especially if you don't have, you know, you might have moved to a new area and you might not know many people there. But I also think that, you know, you've got your husband next to you or your partner next to you when they don't know, they haven't given birth and they're not going through the exact same thing. So they can be supportive, but also at that time, you're sort of hoping that, one parent is sleeping so then you can you know change over and someone can look after the baby and I love the fact that you know even if you sent a message to a person that you knew and when I gave birth to Mia I didn't really have Instagram and it was more like oh these little what do you call them like a bub hub or something like that where you would just what was like an app where you would like just go on and if you had a question, you'd just write it in and someone, oh. some mother, it'd, it'd give you a gestation. So you'd say, oh, I've just had a baby or I'm 37 weeks pregnant. So all those people would be in the same group chat as you. And yeah. if you then all gave birth at the same time or around the same time, it could be 3 a.m. and you say, hey, guys, my breast is really, really sore and my baby's not latching. Is this happening to anyone else? And it was just a really nice way to find comfort in conversation with people that were actually going through very similar journeys as you at that time. Yep, totally. And maybe stop you from turning to Dr. Google and thinking you're dying. No, I always always did Dr. Google on top of that just in case. Now you're a hardworking woman. Do you have any recommendations or tips for juggling your work commitments while still being a present mother? Yeah, it's hard, right? Because you might I might be with my kids and I might get an email and then I'll be like, oh, damn, like I've got to go do X, Y, and Z. And, I, you know, you guys can probably relate to that as well. So I don't I don't have my phone with me. I try not to have my phone with me when I'm with the boys, when I'm with the kids, because then, you know, if you want to feel irritated, a really good thing to do is just pick up your phone and look at your emails and stuff. And it's a really great way to make yourself annoyed. So I try not to have my phone with me because like then I'm kind of forced to just be present. And I don't like saying I'm forced because when you're with your kids, it's amazing and it's wonderful, but it just takes away that option, I guess, of just checking yeah. it out. But sometimes you can't do that, right? Sometimes you're at the park, you're not meeting girlfriends. So I'll take it with me. Yeah. And I'm not perfect at it either. But when I'm at work, if I miss my kids, I'll be like, cool, you miss your kids. You're going to see them at 3.30 when yeah. you pick them up from school. This is your time to work. So just get stuff done. And I think being a mom has actually made me so much more efficient. Mm-hmm. A little bit about this in the, in the running program, but like, before being a mum, sometimes it would take me like an hour and a half to get out the door to go for a run because I'd need my Spotify playlist. I'd need my matching socks. I'd need the special shorts that I ran in. And now if I've got like 40 minute window, I'm out the door. Like it's lucky. If no I've got socks, a- no pods, no just out. Just out the door. Like, I'll be lucky if I've got a sports bra on. <laughs> um, you know, and I just, I feel like it's made me more efficient. And even with work, it used to take me like a whole day to, you know, to write one of my newsletters or something. Whereas now just, you know, I've got 20 minutes, I can just smash it out. 
Do you guys find that as well? Do you think you're more efficient now that you're moms? You have to be. Like there's yeah. just no way you can't not be efficient. And I'm the same as you. I also make sure, well, I used to make sure even when I had kids, oh, I'll just make sure that, you know, they've got everything ready so they won't be upset when I leave. And when I had the second one, I was like, I can't afford to worry about every single person in the house right now. I just need right. to get out and then yeah. I can get back. And the freedom yeah. you feel when you exercise and especially running or doing any form of uh, cardio, it just invigorates you. Well, it invigorates me. Tell me while we're on the on the path of this about your running app. So it was, I, I've always loved running, obviously, but then I found it hard being a mum, you know, managing to find the time. And I kind of figured out all of those things and, you know, how to get out the door. What do you think about when you're on your run? How do you stay motivated? I partnered with a really great coach, a running coach who put together the programs. And so basically it's, it is what it's called. It's a running program for mums. So you can either, you know, if you're not a runner, you can do the five kilometer option where over 10 weeks you'll learn how to run five kilometers. Or if you really want to push yourself and stretch yourself, you could learn to do a half marathon in, in 10 weeks as well. And it's all virtual. So that's I really- I love this. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool because I think for me, like figuring out how to prioritize myself, and it sounds sort of selfish when I verbalize it like that, but if I'm at home all day with my kids and my family, I start to resent them. You know, I'm, yeah. I, I, get, mm. I, get, I get annoyed at them. I, I don't really think that's fair for my, you know, my kids or, or my partner. But if I've managed to get out the door and do something for myself, whether that's a run, whether that's going for a walk, whatever it is, I come back to the house, I feel invigorated, I feel energized, I feel like I'm a better mom and a better partner and a better boss. So if me learning all those lessons I thought it would be a really awesome thing to show other mums you know what what they can learn about themselves. I don't think that's selfish at all I think that's great I think it's actually selfless and I think for too long it's been put on to us that to be an incredible mother you have to put yourself last and everyone else first all the time and I just think that that's so bad and it's actually the the opposite of what we should be doing if you have insight and I'm exactly the same like I feel like I have insight into the fact now if I'm home all day with my children I am a way worse mum than I am if I have had literally 25 30 minutes to myself it's not a massive amount of time you just need time to go to the gym regroup go for a run go down to the beach for a swim if you live near a beach like whatever it is just carving out that little pocket of time for yourself in your day I know you know, for me, it, it does make me a better mom. I'm really excited about the the app though, because I, when I didn't have children or prior pre-children, I did, I started to run and it was just little bits and I never, ever exercised. So I did these, you know, my husband would always say to me, when we go for a run or a jog, just make sure when you puff, just never put your two feet on the ground at once. So just jog. If you get puffed out, yeah. just jog on the yeah. spot and then continue. And we did this all around Europe when we were traveling and I became really into fitness. And then I said to myself, and it was a real big thing for me, was I wanted to do a 10K run. So it was a, um, what do you call it? Fun run. Yeah, it was a fun run. It was a horrible run, but no, it was a fun run. And this doesn't sound like fun to me. No, but I can't tell you mentally what running did for my mental health. It it was the best thing besides having children that I've ever done. I feel incredible. Yep. And I did it myself. And it is mental. Yeah, you're like, 
well, if I can run 10Ks, maybe I can ask my boss for a raise. If I can run five kilometers, well, maybe that means I could ask that guy out on a date, whatever it is. I think the mental benefits it brings you in that time and that space. And you're right, it is invigorating when you go out and do some exercise, get some fresh air, all of those things. But out of all of it, I think running for me and, and exercise in general has always been a really empowering experience. And, you know, if someone's fit and they're trying to tell you how to be fit, it's like, yeah, whatever, mm-hmm. mate, like you're, you're already fit. But I, I literally had to learn how to walk again. I had to learn how to stand again. I, le- I had to learn all of those really basic tasks and I had to learn how to run again. So I think for wherever the mums are at, whether they're just starting out or whether mm. they're wanting to stretch themselves and do the half marathon, I've actually been there. You know, I've, I know what it feels like. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's so true when it's someone who's maybe at the top of their game and hasn't had to, you know, has just been running their whole life. It's so easy to say, oh, yeah. I love running. It's great. Yeah. What are your top tips for people kind of getting started? Because I guess because becoming a mother, you you lose any routine or structure that you had from your previous life, which is so, I think that when you're on a roll with exercise, it's so easy to keep doing it. But as soon as you kind of fall off that bandwagon, the hardest thing mm. I think is starting again. So what's those, what would be your top tips to just getting started? Just yeah. getting started. I think it's always good like to have a group, like you could have a friend that you're meaning to go for a walk or run with, or you could join the program and there's a whole group of mums inside there. So having a group or or a buddy or whoever it is to help and encourage you along the way, I think that's a really important part of getting started. Um, I also think that for mums, the hardest bit is actually getting out the door. Mm. Once you're out the door, you're generally, you're, you're fine. You know, you've actually started. The hardest thing is actually starting. So it's about kind of, I guess, giving yourself permission that the laundry won't get done, isn't going to get done. You're not going to be able to tidy up the whole house. You're not going to be able to pick the flowers, cook the dinner. It's not going to be perfect. Just accept that and get out the door and come back and then see and check in with how you feel. Because I can guarantee you, if you get out the door to go for a run or walk or just down the beach or whatever, you'll come back and you'll feel more energized and more empowered and invigorated. Yeah. But just accept that you're never going to get everything done. No. And also you're always going to find an excuse. Like I can always find an excuse not to go and exercise. There's millions in the house. There's billions and I can find it. (laughs) But when I come home, none of those excuses matter after I exercise. I, I relax. I go, oh, well, you know what, if I tick one of them today, then I'm, I'm happy. So it's, yeah. it's so, so powerful. And are there any things in the program that kind of help to keep you somewhat accountable or like like a oh. checklist type thing or people yeah. that check in with you? Or... Yeah, yeah, well, we've got like weekly lives. So we've got, you know, obviously we've got women's health physios doing a pelvic floor screen and a pelvic floor test. We've got information from nutritionists. There's live Q&As with me and the coach so people can come to those with lots of questions, you know, about how they're finding their runs and how they're finding their pacing. And I think a really important part of running right is like when people let's say they've got to do a 10 minute run people are sharing that that's like 10 minutes like running hard like going at pace when really the goal of a 10 minute easy run is that you should be able to have a conversation right so you've really got to work on managing your pace and not not I guess not trying to be a hero and, and going out too hard too fast can you guys relate to that like yes. I know when I've done races and I've just hammered it from the start I end up just obviously losing the race um, and just <laughs> end up in a world of pain as, as well but well, I think even when you're like doing runs during the week if you go into it with that mentality 
well, you're probably not going to be able to run again for like five days because you'll be yeah. so sore. And you'll hate so it's it. way you'll more sustainable. And you'll yeah. hate it totally. You'll and you'll it. look back and be like, oh, I never want to run again. But yeah. maybe you do it. Slow and steady wins the race. Yes. Exactly. But I think the main thing with exercise is like just to find something that you enjoy doing. So for some people that might be yoga, for some people that might Mm. be crossfit, for some people that might be running. So find something that you genuinely enjoy and stick with that. And I think also with running, find something that you enjoy while doing it because I think a lot of people like to listen to music while they run and I'm quite the opposite because I am like, okay, most songs are about – three and a half minutes. So, oh my gosh, it's only been, you know, four songs. I've got another, however many songs to go. It actually makes it feel way longer for me. And this is absolutely not a a plug for our own podcast, but if you're listening to this, you're already listening to the podcast, but I love speaking, listening to, (laughs) I love speaking. (laughs) I love listening to conversational podcasts while I run because I feel like you forget you're running and you just feel like you're chatting to people. I totally disagree. I need tempo. I need something with consistency. Otherwise, as soon as it stops, you and need the like power dirty goes flat. trance beats. Yeah, I do. I need. <laughs> what do you run to? Um, I'm I'm a bit weird. I can run with like music. I love hectic trance, by the way, yeah. or like nothing. I don't need you know. I don't necessarily need music to run with. That's but I use the strategy called like the next lamppost. So when I'm running, mm. if I'm finding it hard, I'm just it's like, don't worry about the whole run that you've got to do. Just get to the next lamppost. And then when I'm there, I just think, okay, now just get to the next one. That was me giving birth. <laughs> I was like, don't worry about the last contraction or the next contraction. Just get through this contraction. And when, because uh, otherwise I would like freak out in between contractions and be like, there's another fucking one coming. But I would just be like, no, just that one's passed. And then when it start again, lamppost. But is there, a, is, is it a goal that when there is like a certain, and I don't know if it's like a certain time while you're running, there is a certain time mentally where you get to a point where you can literally just keep running. Yeah, I guess you can get to a point where you can literally just keep running and that's You're going to do the 100K ultra. Yeah, easy. <laughs> Come at me. Come on, you and me. Let's go. Are you, do, you get into that zone, right, where you're like, yeah. oh, my God, this is easy. I'm killing it. I'm nailing it. So I think with running, you go through like, you know, you go through those really high points where you're like, oh, my God, can someone sign me up to the Olympics because I am crushing it That's how now. I feel. But then you go through the low points too where you're like, oh, my God, I just want to quit. I just want to quit. I just want to quit. I just want to stop. And I think if I'm feeling really good, like I'm like, yes, awesome, just go there. And when I'm feeling really bad, I just say to myself, it's fine. You're going to feel bad at some points. Either back off the pace, so go a bit slower, Mm. or use an excellent post strategy as well. Love it. And how do you schedule in your workouts like within your family home? Because I think that's what a lot of people think. They go, I don't have – time for this so how can you make sure you have time for it totally so I'm going to be doing the half marathon option when the program starts in a couple of weeks but when I was training for the Kathmandu coast to coast I did the mountain run part for that which was 30 kilometers you have to sort of schedule it in around your other family members right so a lot of the times I just wake up before everyone was up Huckabye was about a year old then sometimes I take Huckabye with me in the pram because there was no one else to have Huckabye and then when Michael was home he'd have Huckabye and then I would would go and do my runs but it ended up that I'd usually do my runs early morning when everyone was asleep or late at night when everyone was asleep. Sometimes it seems unfair that it at least doesn't eat into half an hour of your parenting time. Oh that, that's <laughs> the dream really isn't it? Hey sorry I've got to go for a run someone anyone just take the kids and let me switch <gasps> off before bath time. I'm going right on witching hour you'll be fine right? Yeah fine. that's when you should do it. 
Uh, that would maybe make me do an ultra. <laughs> I'd be like, sorry, I have to train for this 100-kilometre run. And um, it's only at this time. I can I'm only just go between the hours of four and eight. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to get out the door. I'm really sorry, but I'm sure you'll be fine. But the thing is I found, like, with, with Michael, he's a very, like, he is a very capable man. But I think, like, the more I offload not offload, but the more I kind of share the parenting role with him, the more he just steps up and manages mm-hmm. it. And I've just had to accept that, you know, if he's got the kids for dinner, he might not feed them what I would feed them. They might just have eggs on toast or whatever it is. And I've got to just accept that, allow that to happen and just say, well, he fed them. Great work. And I think it's just about, I don't know, accepting that we're all we're all different parents. And it's like a control thing um, with mothers as well, because I, I did this a lot with two of my children that I would do a lot of the roles in the house and parenting because I could. And then when we had our third baby, Yumi, I had to have him, I had to share that, that load. And because I gave him that opportunity and I feel selfish in a way that I never, ever really allowed him to have all these different moments, now that he does share a lot of the parenting, he is just incredible and I never saw it because I never gave him that time. Yeah, exactly. And just accept that the first couple of times they'll do it, they won't do a good job. You and know? who cares? You know what? You're not there. You're going for a run. So if their hair looks like shit and they're eating like rice bubbles, then so be it. Exactly. Yeah, and I we say that a lot that, you know, as mothers we're making it up as we go along. So it doesn't mean that, you know, there's not one way to parent. So if just, just allow your partner to make it up as they go along as well. And, you know, yeah. if there's any time that it really comes to a head that you're doing things that, you know, like that your values are completely different, well, of course, have the conversation about it. But otherwise let them work out their way of yeah, doing exactly. Let them, and I, I think I'm a lot better at that having two kids now because with Huckabye being like, first I probably did err on the side of being a bit controlling Mm. like no he can't eat that he can't do that you've got to do this you've got to do that and now having two I just don't have the bandwidth to worry about the whole household and you've just got to sort of let them figure it out on their own absolutely so much freedom comes with that as well no I wish I knew I wish I knew this stuff with Huckabye but I think I I guess maybe the more kids you have the better better you get at it I don't know and probably when you were in it you probably didn't realize you were being controlling you know for want of a better word so even if you had have heard it you would have been like oh well that's not me Michael gets to do heaps and then it's probably in hindsight that you're like oh well like now that you know, I'm spread thin a bit more. I can see how I was maybe taking over in those roles. It's weird, right? Because they give you a baby at hospital and then you go home with it. And now you're like, I have to keep this child alive now. It's your responsibility. It's a massive responsibility. And I wasn't, I wasn't really prepared for that. I remember like the first time I had to bath Huckabye at home, I wanted Michael to be there to be watching to make sure like, you know, it was all fine. And it's weird. Like I've only got two kids. That's not like I'm very experienced at being a mum but I feel like the second time around I did just trust myself a lot more and I trusted my gut and my intuition as well and I don't think when mothers play it down because they've only got one child and someone's got three or four I we are always winging it like if I had a fourth child right now well I don't know how to parent a fourth child but I make it up yeah all different as well like my two sons are so different from each other 
But I think that day going home from the hospital has to be the weirdest day of oh, parenting. So I remember weird. when they're just like, you can go now. And I'm like, do you need me to like do a test or like feel or sign, sign something? Are like, you really going to let me go yeah. home with a newborn baby? Are you mental? Yes. Like, how will I keep it alive? Like, And I think that's why we like to talk about, you know, I mean, that's why we're called Beyond the Bump because we yeah. want to focus on more than just pregnancy because mm. I feel like when you're pregnant there is so much information on pregnancy, on birth, and then all of a sudden you are past this human, see ya, go home now, and you're like, yeah, oh, so yeah. it's just me and you for the next 18 years. <laughs> and isn't it funny you have this like for nine months you think about that time where you leave the hospital or you have that baby and they're in your arms and you're at home and you're always thinking about that because that is obviously the what do you, goal. Yeah, the goal, the main outcome. But when that actually happens, you're just so not aware of your new normal and it takes, well, it took me a hell of a lot of time with all three of them to feel comfortable and understand that this is, how we all work and this is what's going on and you know the more you have children or you have like I guess a new pet or something that comes into your life it is always you got to refresh re-evaluate and go okay this is another new normal moment and yeah this is it this is okay yeah, totally. The, you go through that period of adjustment, right? Mm. But I remember bringing Rahidi home. Huckabye was not happy. What happened? I don't know. Like he just didn't like his brother for so long, like ages, didn't like his brother. Heaps of people are always asking us about the transition from one to two kids. How, how did you deal with that? I found it really gnarly. Yeah. Honestly, I found it gnarly. Like I loved them both, but a toddler and a newborn are just like at wildly different stages mm. and they need wildly different things. And that was really challenging. But I also think that it wasn't a lot harder for me. It was probably harder for Michael, right? Because I think with one kid for the guy, it probably doesn't impact their life that much. Like they can still go surfing and diving, you know, whatever it is they do. But with two kids, he would have he would have Huckabye because I would be yeah. Yeah, baby, but he loved it. He relished it, you know. And I think it's almost like they have to have the realisation the second time that often that dependence is on them just for that newborn period. I mean, like you're going to have some form of dependence on them for parenting forever, but, you know, that real like you have to take the toddler is basically for that newborn period and it's almost I feel like this is a mass generalisation but what women go through the first time where it's like that real newborn period, it's just like you all the time, nonstop, pretty draining and it's almost they go through that the second time when it's like you have to do that with the toddler while I do this with the newborn. Totally. But isn't it fun like just sitting on the couch breastfeeding a newborn, like just looking at it? It's, and I feel like I like I feel like the second time because you know how fast it goes, I got to appreciate it even more. Yeah. But what's the transition like from two to three? Um, well, <laughs> if you had have asked me last year, I would have said something horrible. But I've now actually had a little bit of a shift in my perception of two to three. Long story short, I had postnatal depression. And I was just saying in our last episode that just came out on Monday that I feel like that cloud has shifted. And I'm starting to feel my children the way I felt them before I had that. So I... Yeah 
I actually got this feeling and this this journey that I went on when I it was about six weeks after having Yumi so that's my third child and it's just been last year and well I guess nearly the two years it, it was a really hard weird strange time it was like I was on autopilot the adjustment was incredibly hard for me because I was battling that with myself yeah. but also because I really couldn't come to terms that this was a new normal. And I say that a lot, but it it makes me feel calm knowing that you have to rejig your life when you have another addition in your family, because everything shifts. Everyone's Mm. mood shifts. Everyone tries to find their place once again in your family and you need to understand your roles. I mean, I think I I gave my husband about seven of my roles and, you know, it was just about all of us working it out. Now that I I just feel completely different and it, it's taken a long, long time, but I absolutely love my three children, obviously. It has been a really, really nice, like looking at it now, I would have always have wanted three children because for me inside two wasn't enough. Mm. And as hard as it was, I still obviously and thankfully... Do. Don't want to put her back. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to put her back, but I don't. I don't feel the need for a fourth. But I am so beyond happy with three girls because, as you were saying, their personalities are so entirely different. Yeah, and they are so quirky. One's funny, one's smart. You know, they've all got their different qualities. And now, when one's screaming and the other ones, you know, having a go at someone else that's our new normal and it doesn't frighten me anymore. I feel really content knowing that this is just what our life is and our my husband and I can have a conversation while they're all screaming whereas, you know, maybe a year ago we'd all be like going, oh, what the fuck is going on? So, yeah, it's really interesting. But every everyone's journey through motherhood is different. So I think it depends on the child, your circumstance. But for me, yeah, it's been a wild ride. Did you see someone for help with postnatal depression? Like did you see a counsellor, a psychologist or anything like that? Yeah, so I saw, um, I went and saw my GP first because I just felt so, I was severely, severely anxious and I had a panic disorder as well. Right. And my head was spinning out of control. We actually have a an episode on my postnatal depression journey, but yeah, it was a frightful time. And I had a GP who recommended a psychologist who recommended a psychiatrist. And I, I really put my hand out to my family, my friends. I made it known that I needed help because I couldn't understand. And yeah. I can't tell you the benefits of just even the Instagram community community, the, the totally. people that came out and said, thank you. Yeah. And this is what we're all about as well. The more we, you know, have chats about conversations that we don't usually have and talk about topics that not a lot of people want to talk about, there are millions of faces behind ours that feel very, very similar. So I think it's the very least we can do to just have these conversations. So we all feel less alone. Yeah, totally. I think your podcast is brilliant and, you know, you're voicing you're voicing what a lot of mums and women would be thinking anyway and I think for them it would be so good to know, hey, well, you know, these guys are going through this particular situation as well. And I also like the fact that, you know, we started this when I had, or it was just before Yumi or no, after, Yumi. after Yumi, but I feel like 
the people that listen, you know, every week, they have been on this journey with me. And it's just nice that even when my children become mothers, I can literally hand them this podcast and go, do you want to know about parenting? I've got no idea, but listen to what I've said and have fun with that. What a great 18th birthday party gift. I know, right? Oh, seriously, they'll be like, Mum, why did you say that to the public? <laughs> What's a podcast? Yeah, yeah. that's what yeah, it will what be. will be the next thing? Oh, dear. Being such an accomplished woman before you have kids, did you ever suffer with kind of a loss of identity, especially because, you know, you were so active before as well? I think I probably did with my first son because it's hard to know, I guess, your your role or your your place in the world and being a really active person. Like I always thought after I had Huckabye, I would do an Ironman again, but then I didn't want to be spending the time away from him to train for, you know, a really crazy race. And then I thought I wanted to do the whole Kathmandu coast to coast, which is like 300 kilometers from the West Coast to the East Coast of New Zealand. But then I didn't want to be away from him to train for those mm and then it was hard to reconcile that right because you know I'm known as the ultra marathon runner who got injured but then if I'm not doing ultra marathons and crazy adventure races then like who am I but I guess I've been like maybe lucky in a way that you know who I am is kind of what I do at the same time so like for you guys Mm. open about where you are at in your life is obviously really beneficial to the podcast and your podcast community and I'm probably a little bit the same uh, as well like who I am and what I do is kind of my work at the same time so I did feel a bit of a loss of identity but now I also think like you know how we're all different versions of ourselves I think the Taria that I like the most is the Taria that's a mom because Taria as a mom is like she's lovely she's energetic she's caring she's compassionate she's nurturing She's an advocate. I've got all these really great qualities that I wasn't sure that I had. And before I became a mum, I've got an awesome mum, by the way. She's the most beautiful woman in the world. But I always wondered what sort of mum I'd be because mm-hmm. I'd, oh, I'm I'm selfish. I prioritise myself. I, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a little bit self-focused about what I want to do and what I want to achieve. And so I was really unsure about how I would be as a mum. And I guess for me, I found motherhood like a really easy and natural role to fall into. Well, from listening to you and, you know, knowing who you are, just, you know, through media and social media, you seem like an incredible or incredibly determined human being. And I think that is a quality that your children are going to look up to, to say, you know, my mom, she doesn't stop. She just goes, goes, goes. Did you see a psychologist for your trauma? Yeah, I did. I saw a psychologist. Probably saw her for about every week for maybe like a two year to two years. And she was yeah, like yeah. amazing, invaluable, like Mm. such an asset to me and like a really crucial part of my recovery and I always say right like if our car needs fixing you know we take it to a mechanic if we want to get our eyebrows waxed we'd go to a beautician right hopefully Um, (laughs) and I think our heart and our head like like they deserve no less than like the very best professional help that we can get so you know if anyone's struggling reach out to some support services lifeline or beyond blue or you know whoever and make sure you get some help Absolutely. We'll link some in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for being so, so open. It was such a pleasure to speak to you again. And we cannot wait for your program to come out. We've said it publicly now we'll be that running. we're going to be running. So now oh we gosh, have to do I'm it. I'm so frothing that you guys are going to be running in it. Come up here and we'll run together. 
Thanks so much, guys. So good to speak with you again. Lovely to speak to you. See you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.